0: All right, we'll see if that works. Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I appreciate you guys so much. I appreciate the background here <laughs> that you guys have given me. This is awesome. Uh, I didn't even know that this was gonna. I was like, Hey, yo! <laughs> you guys all thought that when you came in the room, I'm sure. This is awesome. You know, you can I can use these as props, like. Uh, being stiff-necked after many rebukes, or <laughs> like an elephant, never forget God, or yeah, stop lying. Right? <laughs> so it's all great. We can we'll try to incorporate those into the message. Uh, so thank you guys for uh, having me today. Uh, I'm excited uh, to be here. We drove out this morning. I drove out with uh, uh, my kids and even uh, brought some people from the Antelope Valley with me. So we have the Benowitz, all three. Raise your hands over there. We have the Whites. Raise your hand over there. And uh, my friend Jim Alberto came from the valley. Raise your hand, Jim. And uh, my good friend Stephen Palmer's wife, Rebecca, are here. Raise your hand. Jim A. here in Sydney. So I brought my posse. Yeah. <laughs> so in case you guys don't enjoy the sermon, they'll still support me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I uh, was. I uh, moved to the valley in 1995, and the uh, valley is a really interesting place. I, I had a little apartment on uh, on Sherman Way. And if you don't know Sherman Way, you probably know Sherman Way. It's a really busy street, right? And I had to park. I had to park in front of my apartment. So there's never any parking space, and I'm driving along I see one. So I flip a Ewing, and I, and I get ready to parallel park. I put on my blinker. I slow the car down, hit the brakes. And as I'm I'm getting ready to do my parallel park, I hear this (laughs) behind me. My eyes got big, I got scared, there was smoke billowing from the back of this car, and it it almost slammed into me. And so I went ahead and parallel park, and as I'm getting out of my car, the woman who almost hit me pulls up alongside of me and rolls down her window. She looks me in the eyes and says,
1: you ruined my cake!
0: <laughs> and I looked in her car, and her cake had slid off the front seat and splatted all over her carpet. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I didn't ruin your cake. You ruined your cake. I was just parallel parking. But that's indicative of, of kind of how we are as a society. It's becoming more and more. Nothing is my fault, but everything's about me.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like we were studying the Bible one time
0: with this kid, a uh, teenager. And we really didn't have anyone in Antelope Valley his age. So I called up Kelly Collins, and, and I said, hey, man, can you help me he study the Bible with this guy? He said, sure. So I drove down, and we were studying out denying yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? And I was like, Hey Kelly, can you give a can you give a good example of what it means to deny yourself? And Kelly thought for a moment, and he looked at the kid. And he goes, You know how we have potlucks at church? And he goes, Yeah. And he goes, Well, denying yourself means that you have to get at the end of the line to go through the potluck. You have to be the last person. And the kid went, oh.
1: <laughs> At this, the
0: man's face fell. you know? like He was like, oh. Because, you know, we're kind of red to to be about us. And I don't know if it's social media or what it's been lately, but everything seems to get more and more about me. Right? Everything I read on social media is about me. Like that's what we tend to put out there. Twitter. Um, when you look at Twitter, there's just uh, 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 sentence after sentence about me, what I'm doing. Had some cereal today. <laughs> what? When did we have to tell people that we were eating cereal? When did that become a thing? <laughs> like we're, all of a sudden we just we're constantly. This is what I'm doing. Oh, here's an even better one. Here's my opinion. This is my opinion. This is what I think. This is me. And it becomes more about me, 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 social media. We used to have TV shows back in the day when I was younger. Now look, for you younger people, let me just set something straight. You haven't done anything I haven't done. We just did it in a members-only jacket. That's the only difference,
1: okay? That's the key difference.
0: We were cooler. So, so when I was a kid, we had TV shows they were actually about something. Like there was a theme. You know, like we had like Three's Company.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see that Three's Company yeah. where there was the misunderstanding? Like, <laughs> they were all that way. Every single show. Every single yeah.
0: But at least it had a theme. It was about them, it was about what was going on, it was about life. But now we have reality shows. Yeah. And it's about me! <laughs> Everything is about me what it's become. Every TV show you watch, every YouTube video you watch, I mean yes, I mean, you guys have probably have never done this, but sometimes I'll just watch YouTube videos one after another. I know you guys never do that, but I do. And it's all about me. Like every single one of them seems to be about me. And we've developed this me culture. And it's a little scary. Because The Bible's really clear about, it's not about you. And I think what has happened even in our churches, our fellowship, that me culture infiltrates us. And it it affects us. You ever catch yourself saying, you know, I really didn't enjoy the worship service today. Well, that's okay. Okay. We weren't worshiping you. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's a because we, we make we, we become church consumers and yeah. oh, you know that sermon I'm you know five out of ten I'll give you five out of ten for the sermon. But it's because it's about us right. and what we want. Right. Instead of thinking about what other people need, think about uh, what other, what other things are going on in the world, it really becomes centered around us a lot to say about me. We're going to read in the book of Colossians, if you want to turn your phones there, to uh, (laughs) Colossians chapter 1. And I'll give you a little bit of background. Epaphras was this guy. He visited Paul in prison. Paul was in prison. And I should probably say, you guys don't know, if you don't know me, my name's Ivan. Uh, I work uh, as a sign language interpreter, and I work for the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. So I work in a prison level four maximum security prison. And um, so that's uh, enjoyable. And um, <laughs> it's, just a, it's a different kind of environment to work. But I was a preacher for about three and a half years. I was a minister up in the Antilope Valley. And uh, now I, uh, I work up there and as, a, as, uh, as an interpreter. So anyways, uh, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Colossae. Now, Paul had never been to that church before. He, he planted other churches nearby, but he'd never been to that church. But he wrote them a letter. Because, see, what was happening is there were people who were infiltrating the church and kind of spreading lies about the gospel. They were teaching false doctrine, right? You know that term, right? They were teaching false doctrine. They were spreading lies about the gospel, and, and they weren't really talking to truth. One of the things they were saying is that Jesus guy, he's not really the top dog, Right? Jesus, they were kind of minimizing who Jesus was. So Paul writes this portion about the supremacy of Christ to them. And similar today, the false doctrine of me has infiltrated our churches. Right? And it's it's it's, it's infiltrated our lives. And somehow we're we're we have this mindset now that I am the most important person in the room. What I feel and what I think. Now I'm not invalidating your feelings, but at the same time, some of us have taken that beyond where it needs to be. We need to really put Jesus where He needs to be, which is first. In Colossians chapter one, oh, on the end. Oh, this thing's moving on its own. (laughs) All right, there we go. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God incarnate, right? The firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. What Paul's saying is Jesus is number one. You want it in Italian? Numero uno. Jesus is the top. He's the one we need to be focusing on. Everything, all of our energy. He's amazing. He was the first one here. He designed everything. He made everything was made by him and for him. What's your purpose in life? You were made by him. For him. Sometimes we think that we are made by us. For us. I'm made by me for me. I'm made by my parents for me. So I can live my life for me. No. We are made by him for him. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that because of this environment that we live in is constantly telling you that you're the most important person in the room when really it's Jesus. He is the utmost important person in every room. And so often we minimize him. But listen to what he says. This is amazing. He says, All things have been created... Through him and for him, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. All things hold together. You guys, have you guys heard of the lamin molecule? You guys know what I'm talking about. You know what the lamin molecule is. Lamin. The lamin molecule is a molecule that, at its base, it's a protein of the cellular matrix. I'm reading this, so don't think I'm
1: <laughs>
0: they're all major, they're all they're a major component of the basal lamina. I bet you didn't know that. One of the layers of the basement membrane. Now check this out. It's a protein network foundation for most cells and organs. Right? This laminum molecule resides in every one of our cells practically. You want to know what it looks like? Isn't that cool? The cross is in us. Now when you read this scripture and you say he's made everything. Every artist has a signature. Every artist does. And I I thought about ways I could just discount this. Like, ah, you know what? That's just, you know, mumbo jumbo, whatever. But when you think about it, he knows everything. He's made everything. And he made us down to the little cell. In the little cell, there's a signature of like the most important event that's ever happened. The thing that makes us who we are today. Jesus has made everything. See, when I, when I read the scripture, uh, everything is made by him and for him. I'm like, okay, so he made the trees and he made... He made the animals and he made he, he made He made everything, right? Yeah.
1: And He made us. Yeah.
0: He made you and He made me. All the way down to our little selves. He knows exactly how many hairs are on our head. Jesus loves you so much. Mm-hmm. He loves you so much. And I know me. I don't give him enough credit. I know because of my prayer life, my Bible reading, I can always do
1: more. But
0: I don't. Sometimes I'm on Facebook, or I'm on the computer, or I'm watching TV. Or I'm doing things that I should take more time to be with him and to think about him. You know if you put Jesus first in your life by your prayer life. What we did this morning, we prayed. And I don't know if you felt this at the very beginning, but I kind of did. When I first heard we are going to do, instead of singing, we are going to do a prayer service. I don't know if you did, but I went, eh, all
1: right.
0: This is going to be the morning. I know you guys didn't. But I did I was kind of like, ugh. And when it happened, I was like, this is awesome. This is what we should be doing. This is what we need to be doing all the time. And I constantly have to be called back to that. Just connecting with Jesus. Because he's supreme. He's amazing. says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Everything that has happened in your life, I mean, this week, uh, I put put something up on Facebook. I know I'm talking about Facebook a lot, but I put something up on Facebook. My son came home, my oldest son came home on Wednesday from doing his first Bible study because he's wanting to make his decision about becoming a Christian. So we believe in studying the Bible with people to make sure they understand what is involved in that. He did this study, the word study. Many of you have done that
1: study,
0: right? So he showed me his notes. And I had my notes from 28 years ago, still. I put them side by side, and I took a picture of them. And I thought it was so cool. The only way that is happening is because of Jesus and his willingness to love me and call me to follow him. I mean, it's changing. I mean, I have three great kids. I have a wonderful wife. Um, this week has been so difficult. You guys don't know. And I don't typically like to talk about myself, but it's been a hard week. My wife had an emergency me a week ago on Tuesday. During the surgery, the, the appendix burst, so it created more complications. She was in the hospital for six weeks. I'm sorry, six days. Felt like six weeks. You know, um, Worst of it all, I had to do the laundry. <laughs> Weekend, <laughs> like, yeah. I, really did it. I had to shuffle. I had to drive kids around everywhere. You know, I had a, I'm just kidding. It was really scary, but it was really hard, and I was really stressed out. And then I had to write this sermon. because I come here and preach? Woo! And I'm like, gee, I can't do this at any time. And I'm stressing,
1: yeah.
0: right, all week. And every night I was going to, oh, okay, I, you know, I, I kind to write a sermon over a couple week period of time or something. So I had a basis done, but I had to put the final touches on it and get it all worked out. And uh, then my wife came home from the hospital on Wednesday night, so I had to go get her, make sure she was taken care of, running around. Uh, Thursday night, my, my mother in law said she needed to go back home, so I had to drive her to LA and back home till 9 o'clock at night. Friday night, Friday night was the best because Friday night I just lost it. <laughs> I lost it Friday night. Like, <laughs> I'm. I've, I've got to take my two younger kids to preteen class on one side of the valley, and then I got to take my son to teen class on the other side, and then I've got to pick them all up by 8:30 to take my son who just turned 13 to rocket jump so that they can do their rocket jump from 9 to 11, and so I'm driving over to to the one house where I think things are, and then. Oh, it's not at this house, it's at the other house. So I didn't even get to that house. I turned around, I drove all the way over, and they go, I got to the other house, and they said, no, no, it's at that house. Oh. So I drove all the way back, I dropped the kids off at that one, then I drove home, I picked up my son, I drove him all the way over to where he needed to go, I dropped him off, I drove back to that other house, picked those two back up, went and picked him and all of his friends up. No, I had to drive home, brought my daughter off, then drive over because I brought the wrong car and didn't have enough seats. It, it was crazy, and I was just like angry, angry, <laughs> I am angry, you know, like I'm like losing it angry, right? Because, and, 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 and I'm trying to like, you know, and I'm literally breathing. And I get home, and my wife, I go, did the people that said they were going to bring dinner over bring dinner over? She goes, oh, no, I told them not to. I thought you said no. And I went, why? And she kind of looked like she was going to cry. And i come on. It was just hard. It was so hard. And you know what? Jesus was still supreme. But I wasn't looking at that. I was looking at all the earthly circumstances You know How you can kind of tell When uh, Well Basically what had happened was is I was making everything At that point About who? Don't judge me <laughs> And guess what?
1: You.
0: Right? But I want to make it about me. Right. I want to make everything about I love the way Dr. Phil says that. It ain't about you. I'm not from the South, but I just love the way he says it, so I had to put it in here. I don't agree with him on everything, but I thought that's a good point. Sometimes he just tells people, like, it's not about you. Right? right? And that's the way it is. But he doesn't finish it up by saying, it's not about you. It's about Jesus. Right? right? Now, what do you think about this? Are we making it about Jesus in our marriage? Or are you making it about you? Because when you make your marriage about Jesus, it goes so much smoother. But when you make it about you, it goes so much rougher. Right? When you're you're making it about, when you make your, your relationships about Jesus, maybe you're single and heard, you know, it's you know it's hard to find the right person. Trust me, it's better to find the right person. Yes. Yeah. You may have to wait, but it's okay. Yeah. Because you know what's harder than finding the right person? Break it up with the wrong person. <laughs> That's really hard. Trust me, it's hard to get out of a relationship. It's like trying to get out of a beanbag chair. It's rough. <laughs> Right? So, trust me, it's better. Make it about Jesus and wait. Don't make it about yourself. It's okay. Trust me, it's better. So, you think about that, even in our parenting, and this is something I want to really, I've really tried to focus on with my kids, oftentimes we don't want our kids to suffer. And so we want to take that away. Now, I'm not talking about illness, things like that. I'm just talking about experientially, yeah. I know that's a word, but as they experience life and they suffer, we want to take that away from them. We don't want them to suffer. We don't want them to feel the pain. Because we don't want to feel the pain. So we're not really making it about Jesus. We're making it about raising kids about us. I don't want them to feel what I felt. Why? What you felt growing up made you who you are. You know, a lot of people talk about millennials. You raise them. Right. <laughs> they came from somewhere. Right? right? And and part of that is in the parenting is we're 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 trying to take everything away, their bad experiences, their pain. Jerry Seinfeld is a funny comedian, but he said something really profound about that. He said pain is information rushing in to fill a knowledge gap. So like when you're walking and you stub your toe, like you hit your toe on the bed. All that pain is like telling you, hey, the bed's there, the bed's there, the bed's there. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, as our kids go through pain and they go through struggles, we try to figure out relationships. I'm not saying leave them alone, guide them, but we don't have to take that experience away from them. Because then we're making it about us and not about Jesus. Sometimes we don't want to punish our kids. Or we don't want to take away their cell phone. Or we don't want to, you know, because it's difficult for us. If I punish them, I don't have to talk to them. We make parenting about us. We don't make it about Jesus. Sometimes we make parenting or marriage about us, and we don't make it about Jesus. Sometimes we make relationships, and we're thinking about. Sometimes in our work, we make work about us. We don't make it about Jesus. When I, I work in a pretty rough place. And if, when I start making work about me, that place oppresses me. But when I go in there and I say, you know what, I'm going to treat inmate, officer, staff with the same respect. I'm going to love them all like Jesus would. And I'm like, hey, hey, how's it going? Good see you, good see you, good see And the inmates are kind of like, whoa, whoa, like, Like, you're talking to me. Yeah, hey, guy, yeah, you doing all right? Yeah, okay. You know, it's also... Self-preservation, a little bit there. <laughs> Never
1: know what kind of day they're having. Just
0: be nice to everybody,
1: right? This is better that way.
0: Probably about two-thirds of the people are carrying some type of shank on them at any time, so it's a good, good number to know in your head. Um, so, so, you know, I think we gotta, we got to really bring that mentality. Jesus is superior. He's number one. He's what's important, not me. Yeah. That way when your pride gets stepped on, it's alright. When your wife goes in the hospital, it's going to be okay. When everything's happened and you have no control, it's going to be alright. If you're not putting Jesus first, I saw this meme about therapists talking to The person, the therapist therapist said, And what do we do when we feel stressed? And the person said, We click add to cart. (laughs) (laughs) And the therapist goes, No. Right? Maybe that's you. When you're not putting Jesus first, you want to go shopping or whatever your hobby is. Right? Something to make you feel better about yourself. Because Jesus, at that moment, Is not supreme. Jesus has to be supreme. Because we think we're something, right? This is an interesting scripture. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. nothing apart from him. How do you remain in him? Prayer. It's that simple. I know every sermon can be reduced to read your Bible and pray. I know that. That's the thing we struggle with a lot, right? Some of us struggle with prayer. Consistent, deep, deep prayer. I believe it is one of the biggest things holding us back as Christians, is that we just don't pray enough. Right. We use prayer as a filler in church. Right. Uh, what do we, well, we need we need a little time for this brother to get up on stage. Why don't we pray? No, no, no. Why don't we just pray? So that's why today was so awesome. Just that time. I, I don't know how you felt, but I, afterwards I was like, thank you, Jesus, for this time. It was incredible. It was awesome. It was uplifting, inspiring. Hey, I love singing. Not a lot of people around me love me singing, but I love to sing. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but I was singing away when I first became a Christian. I was singing in church. I was loving it. minister came up and said, hey, Evan, why don't you join the death ministry?
1: I don't know what America But I took that
0: to heart as advice, and I did it. And I think the congregation benefited from it. (laughs) Prayer connects us to the vine. If we're not connected to the vine, we're dead. This is an awesome scripture in 2 Timothy. But mark this. There will be just I want you to kind of close your eyes. And I want you to think about society right now. Just close your eyes and listen to this and think about society as I read this. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful. Proud. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy. Without love. Unforgiving. Slanderous. Without self-control. Brutal. Not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. You know what I mean. That scripture is heavy, right? But does it describe... The average YouTube site. When you read that, when I mean, because you can just see, uh, for all the bad that there's out on the internet, sometimes you can just get to see what God sees, and you just see the self consumption, the self consumerism, the self pleasure, the self, 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 self. And when you tell them about Christ. They're kind of like Jared was. We told him to get it the line and just go, whoa. I don't know if I can do that. Because we're just so self-consumed. But the really scary part of this scripture to me is having the form of godliness, but denying its power. And that is the fear I have for the church, for all of the Western churches. There was this couple that I heard about from a friend of mine who's a minister. They were converted in Lebanon and they became ministers. And this couple, every morning when they would wake up, they'd get half breakfast together, they'd pray, read their Bibles, and before they'd leave their house to go to work, they would hug each other, they would embrace each other, kiss each other, and say, If I don't see you again, I'll see you in heaven. If I don't see you in this life, I'll see you in the next. Because that's what their life was. Well, that couple was asked to move to the United States and to be ministers here, and they said, okay, and they moved to the United States and they were ministers here, and after six months the wife was begging the husband to move back. Wow. Because Christianity didn't mean the same thing here. Because they weren't having to give up their life willingly every day here. And it was changing them. I think we should take that as a warning. You know, sometimes we're fish and water. Fish and water don't know they're in water. Us in culture don't know we're in culture sometimes. sometimes. Right. And we're swimming around, and we're going, me, 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 It's like those, what is that movie, uh, Nemo, Finding Nemo? The, the, the like mine, right. mine, 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 right? It's me, 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 and we don't see it. And we have these nice things. And God has provided incredible life for all of us here. And sometimes it's harder for us to see that we're really not putting Jesus first. Let's call ourselves back to putting Jesus first. Let's realize that it's not about us. Let's realize that everything is about Jesus and to him be the glory. Amen. Right? Amen.